The following programming may contain viewpoints and opinions that do not necessarily reflect those of Listen Up Talk Radio. Welcome to realestatetorontoradio.com, the weekly show about buying and selling real estate in the greater Toronto area and sometimes beyond with Aura Ross of the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Group. 30 minutes of hot topics and indispensable advice from experienced professionals that work for you. RealEstateTorontoRadio.com, where we discuss real estate. Unlike last week, where we were talking about cats. <laughs> Everyone wants to talk about real estate. Yes. So another interesting week. I mean, this was the first week I think where the new rules went into play. That's correct. Um, though you know, the new rules. I want to just clarify that yeah. though, because they're not really new. They're they're new on one aspect, and that was that. The variable, the five-year variable mortgage for high, uh, for insurance. Oh, sorry, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not really new. The the one change to the qualifications for a mortgage is that you must qualify based on the posted rate. Right? right. Well, the banks were already doing that on our fixed five-rate mortgages and many other mortgages. What they weren't doing it on was the variable rate five-year mortgages. So they are going to be now qualifying you based on that posted rate, which right, right now is sitting around 4.6. Um, keep in mind, these are for people who are putting 20% or less down. So these are the insured mortgages. Right. Okay. Um, as far as the the uh, foreign capital gain, it's not new. Mm-hmm. Rules have always been in place. What they basically said is we are going to implement them. So, so they're going to have mortgage cops now. They're going to make sure. I guess so. I don't know how they're going to do it, but yeah. they, they figured that's. They, they're going to ask for a few more forms when you go to sell your property or submit your taxes. Yeah. So um, haven't felt um, a specific response from that yet uh, here in here in central Toronto. So I think where the average price is sitting over a million dollars, um, we're not going to feel it as much as perhaps uh, in those areas like Oshawa, like Ajax, like Mississauga, where we have a lot of first time buyers going in right? and they're, and they have the low down payment. Um, and of course, so that does that, you know, eventually will that, if that affects that market, will it trickle up and affect the two, three, $4 million sales? Well, it might mm-hmm. because it might, you know, if it causes that first time buyer not to buy that first house, then that guy can't move up to his next house. And right so on and so forth. There's a bit of debate on that, and so I'd say the jury's still out. I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to feel it. Okay. So what else, we, what else are we discussing this week? Well, you know, of course, I always bring this, the, the stats, so I've got those numbers for us. And then the other piece today I want to talk about is is sort of for what happens when you're a home seller and you've set the offer date and you're expecting the multiple offers right. and you don't get offers. Or maybe if you get offers, you don't get the price you want. So we're going to talk about some ways we can manage that. Ooh. Stress relief, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. Some herbal tea. <laughs> Stay tuned. More Real Estate Toronto Radio right around the corner. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property might be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. So it's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals like the Mulholland Ross team. When it comes time to make your move, Call the Mulholland Ross Keller Williams Referred Real Estate Team at 
230-8500 or visit realestatetorontoradio.com. Whether you're making your first move or your 21st, the Mulholland Ross team offers over 30 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Tune in Sundays at 4 p.m. on Listen Up Talk Radio or Tuesdays and Fridays on Voices Radio, CKAV, to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Welcome back to realestatetoronto.com. And, uh, yes, so you have some stats to lay on us. Oh, everybody loves real estate stats. Because we, we need an official statistician for this, like a baseball problem. <laughs> Someone just to keep track of the numbers. <laughs> well, I think the Toronto Real Estate Board actually does that, okay. so I'm just going to interpret some of them for you. All right. Uh, you know, without without joking, putting joking aside, if you actually go to torontorealestateboard.com, and that is not my site, that mm-hmm. is the Toronto Real Estate Board site, you can gain access to all the Market Watch reports. If you go to our site, realestatetoronto.com, we have a link there as well called uh, Market Reports. So again, you can access this stuff from anywhere. Um, It is open, free information for you to look at. However, I would say having someone decipher it for you and maybe show you what that means to the value of your own home is still important because I know, you know, I can look at these numbers, but if I walk into a neighborhood where I really don't understand the trends, I could be way off in giving people advice. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this on the topic of what happens if you don't get your multiple offers. Mm. But before we do that, all positive stuff, September 2016, on an average, right across the 905 and 416, our average price is up 21.3% from September 2015. So the average price in 2015 was 627. Today it's 755. Wow. Yeah. Big jump in a one year period. Now, HPI is our home price indexing, and that is also managed through the Toronto Real Estate Board. And that is where they're actually comparing apples to apples. So they're measuring a detached two-story, three-bedroom home last year to a detached two-story, three-bedroom home this year. Okay. Um, That's up 18%. Keep in mind, average prices can be influenced by by the type of homes that are actually listed in that month. So, so you see, so when we're measuring just averages for a small area, so, you know, if we said, hey, let's look at the Young Lawrence area and compare it, um, year over year, it could be that last year we had a bunch of new homes come to market in that area in September, and this year we had more semis and bungalows. Well, that would show an average price reduction, even though the average price is up. And does that hold true to month to month? So if we had one month where it was all semis or all townhouses and not one you know, $2 million house sold, the index would drop. Yeah. Wow. Well, the average price the average would drop, price would but drop. the index measures semi to semi, right, right. actually okay. detached. So, so uh, couldn't tell you the, the mathematical formula or how they do this. It is one of those magical things that appear. But the HPI is really, when we're, when we're really talking the economics of real estate, it's the HPI that's a little bit, well, it's much more important, actually. So that's up 18%. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, so a few people came to me this week and they said, Aura, I heard the uh, Toronto market's down and it's only, uh, you know, it's uh, sales are up only 4.7% from last year. Hmm. What they were talking about was the number of sales. So we always want to understand, are they talking the number of sales or the average prices? 
And I asked you that last week because I get easily confused when we're talking about we, some of these stats. We all do. We hear the numbers and we think, oh my gosh, you know. So we get a few units that sell for more and it's a good thing. Yeah. So. So so when we look at the 416, the actual average price for a detached home is up. Okay, hold on to your hats. Okay. 26.6%. The sales were up only 47 Now, this starts to make sense when you understand supply and demand. So if we don't have a lot of listings for sale in the 416 area, then only 4.7, we only have a 4.7 increase over last year. Right. Um, what that actually caused were the prices to go up more because there's a demand. There's not much on the market. Listings are down in the 416. So listings are down, sales numbers are down, average price is up to almost 27%. And could this also play into bidding wars and, and things like that Absolutely. where you have lower inventory? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so the opposite's true. The day you start listening to the show and I start telling you listings are up, listings are up, then we have to be very careful because once you see a flux of listings come on the market, the buyers have something to choose from, mm -hmm. supply and demand changes, and now the buyers, if they don't buy this house, they're going to buy the other house because there's lots of homes on the market. So there's, there's if, if I'm a consumer and I'm going to sell my house and I see a bunch of for sale signs on my street, I'm thinking, oh, good time to sell because there's going to be a lot of activity. Right. But it actually may backfire. It's you may want to really, you know, I know one of the things we do for our sellers is we're always looking at what, what's going on with the competition. And I've been in situations where we've about to list a home and then we've got, you know, two of the neighbors have just listed and we've decided to just sit it out another week or two, let at least one of them sell, and then go to market. Hmm. I mean, if you've got the luxury of time. Right. Yeah, because some price. people just have to get on the market when they get on the market. Um, so, what else have we got here? Townhouses in the 416 area code are up 24.3%. Townhouses, wow. Yep, townhouses in the 905 are up 20%. Now, again, these are average prices, and we also know in the 905 and the 416, we have some newer townhouses um, being sold now. So does it mean that the townhouse you bought last year is now worth more, 24% more than what you paid for? It may not be, because mm. again, you know, we're throwing everything into the mix. So this is really where I do suggest you hire a realtor who's familiar with your area to really decipher these numbers for you. I can talk to you forever in a day about the central core, uh, you know, right up that Young Street strip, but um, find and, and sort of, you know, east and west of that, but finding someone in your particular neighborhood that is very familiar with what's going on can decipher this for you a little bit better rather than go, well, prices are up 24%. Time to sell. Time to sell or my, my neighbor sold for a million last year, therefore I'm definitely worth, you know, a million two forty. See, you just you just educated me as well by just saying we sit down with our buyers and we look at what the competition competition is. Because you don't want them to list and then just have it sit. Because again it goes back to there's so many other things that can play into it like that house is not for three weeks and nobody's made any offers, what's wrong with it? Yeah. So timing is everything. It's really everything and you know the buyer trends from neighborhood to neighborhood can alter so much. So, you know, there are certain pockets of the city where backing onto a cemetery, for example, might be really hard to sell mm -hmm. because the people buying in that neighborhood, for whatever reason, are not comfortable backing onto a cemetery. And sometimes it's, a, you know, it's a background. It's where you're from, yeah. what, what your own, 
you know religion or beliefs are that's correct whereas in other neighborhoods where those people with those religious beliefs or backgrounds don't buy homes anyway you might find people saying, I love back down to the cemetery. Oh my gosh, one less neighbor, I can have loud parties. I mean, it's peaceful. Yeah, so again, it's understanding what's important in each neighborhood. Um, in certain parts of the city, land is just land rules more than anything we've ever seen before. And then you might have a beautiful house, it's not new, but maybe you took an old home and you renovated it. The question is, is are the buyers paying that huge land value? plus your renovations, yeah. or they just gonna see this land value anyway. Mm. So really understanding that's important. And where we also help people with that is, um, you know, if you're if you're in a neighborhood where everybody's tearing the homes down and you have a little bungalow and you decide I'm gonna renovate it, um, well, the builders aren't gonna pay you extra for your renovation. So we don't really want you spending extra money if you're not going to get it back. So that's a decision, again, when you're listening. Do you stage it? Do you dress it up? Do you paint it? And because you're right. it back. That's right. And in some cases, though, it's essential. I would tell you in some neighborhoods, it's like the builders aren't looking here. They're not buying your land. We must make your house beautiful. Mm. So it's really understanding. And it changes from area to area. And I see it happen often where an agent from out of area comes in to where we do a lot of business and we see them list what I call the difficult to sell homes because we know that there's something going on that's going to be a little tougher than the average home and they don't know. They don't understand that it's going to be different and they look at what the numbers are coming out of MLS and they don't, they can't guide their seller as to why it might be different for them. They don't know what that difference is. They don't understand the trends. So, so for them, it's just more of a helping a friend or wanting some permission. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. important to get an agent in your area. Yeah, I believe so. And of course, we work all over the city, so yeah. because we've got a few of us, so we can help right across the city. Um, about three minutes left. What do we got before a break? Well, you know what? Just the other thing, I, I always like to watch where are the most, where are we seeing the highest amount of homes selling? So first, I looked at price range. So the popular price point, I mean. Just a year ago, we were saying the majority of the homes were selling between the four hundred and fifty. I think it was four to five hundred. Yeah. And then I, I think about this. a month or two ago, we were talking, and I said, "Hey, Todd, it went up from five to six. And today, it's three price points, but between six hundred and nine hundred is where the majority, uh, the largest group of people are buying in the in the Toronto proper, Toronto Central. And just you know, I'm talking detached homes too. So when people say you can't move into mm -hmm. Toronto. Um, and get a freehold or detached home under a million, you can. We've had this conversation, just maybe not at Young and Eglinton or Young and Shepherd or a Young friend, and Bloor. A friend of mine got one for 450 in the west end of Toronto, maybe nice. not the most desirable area, but again, they're turning over, you know. And it's going to become the most desirable area because people like your friend, assuming he's a good guy and you know he's, yeah. I'm just kidding yeah. um, people like your friend will go in fix up the house cut a nice clean garden next year and on and on it goes yeah. and then more people do that and that's just the gentrification of a neighborhood it doesn't have to even be suddenly the homes are being torn down and new homes built up it could simply be people going in there renovating the homes cleaning the gardens and just changing the community that's a term gentrification that is really um, 
We you use know? it everywhere. Well, yeah, yeah but the, see, it sometimes, sometimes has a negative connotation. Yes. When, when, when you see like a big box store move in, people say, oh, it's becoming gentrified. Yes and no. But I do like what you, how you used it, where people are taking better care of their homes, they're, they're sure. doing renovations and upkeep. Yeah. And thing. you know what? It has, it's not saying anything bad about the previous homeowners. Um, it is, there is a cycle in a community, actually. I remember someone telling me when I started real estate that they said a neighborhood is either in a state of growth or a state of decline. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very rare that it just sits for a long period of time without doing one or the other. Yeah. And so if you're not, if, if your neighborhood is not in a state of growth, it's actually declining. But what causes the decline? Well, sure, we, not, we all know of neighborhoods, we don't need to name them, that maybe don't have the best reputations, right, for mm -hmm. safety and all that stuff. But another thing could just be the demographics. Um, here in North York, we had a community that just had, you know, people bought in in the 50s, they raised their kids, the kids moved out, they, they, they bought in the 40s, 50s, 60s, the owners became old, so now we've got a lot of seniors in their homes, they're not the ones that are often the most, the quickest to change windows and gardens and, and add, do additions and mm -hmm. things like that, so their homes got a little tired. That was the word I was going to use, okay, I was thinking of my boyhood home. Um, you know, yeah. when, we, when we bought it off my parents and yeah. lived there for a few years, the neighborhood just looked tired. It was tired. There were old bungalows that had, yes, they were freshly painted, but they just needed something. You know, it was the funniest little street, too, because I, I remember that. Yeah. And boy, if you looked at it today, right? It's completely different. It's all Yeah. We need to take a break to uh, pay the bills and uh, pay a drink. You're listening to Real Estate Toronto Radio.com. RealEstateTorontoRadio.com. Hey. So we are going to talk about something that scared the heck out of me a while ago. Is <laughs> when I went to sell my house, and uh, yeah. So yeah, it's that whole. I mean, everybody's familiar now with the holding offers. Uh, actually, I would actually say most people aren't familiar with that. They they're familiar with multiple offers. Okay. Right. And the term holding offers is a term that realtors use when we're actually setting up for an offer day. So we'll, let's say we put your house on the market uh, on a Tuesday and we say offers will be looked at next Monday. And so we're holding offers till next Monday. So I just shared some agent lingo. With kind you. of like putting up a sign that says coming soon to MLS. Coming, that's, a different, that's a whole different topic. I know. Um, but yeah, so we've got the offer date. So we're saying holding offers. And so, of course, in the spring... Everyone was elated. You'd hear these stories in the paper, 10 offers, 12 offers. You know, I had 15 offers. My house sold for 300, 500 over asking price, that sort of thing. Nice. Um, and, and so what we're noticing, and many of you might be noticing it in your neighborhood or if you're on realestatetoronto.com or realtor.ca and you're noticing a house that was listed last week for 1298 and this week you're watching it come out at 1498, and wondering why did they increase the price two hundred thousand dollars in a week, right? Hmm. Um, or you're just watching it come off the market, maybe not even see it get sold. Uh, so there's lots of things that can happen, and so 
what we are noticing in the market now is that a lot of these um, homes that they're holding offers for a certain date are coming back to market a couple of days later um, at higher prices. So I'm going to read between the lines. They did not sell that house, obviously. That's right. Hmm. That's right. And so when people are holding offers, um, they are pricing their homes at what they feel to be less than market value. And therefore, their expectation is that people will come. There'll be bidding wars, which is that blind bidding on your mm -hmm. house, and the home will then sell for what they believe to be market value. So if my expectation on my house is to sell it for a million dollars, and I want to use that strategy, we are seeing sellers price their home for anywhere from crazy like five ninety nine. <laughs> Oh, come on. To, you know, eight ninety nine. I mean, anything under that million dollar mark should generally create enough people wanting it that you'd have multiple people making offers on it. Do you have my hand gestures here? Like, that really helps. We need video. <laughs> I yeah, we need video. We need, well, why wouldn't they go down like 50 or 100,000? Like, a little bit of a tease. They, they go, I mean, going down to 599, wouldn't that make most people go, mm. Well, okay, so here's the thing. So, you know, we watch this market so carefully. We watch these from day to day. I'm watching what's happening, what's selling. And what we found just in the last, uh, you know, probably since July, maybe August, is that um, the buyers were getting frustrated, right? You price something at $8.99 or even $7.99, and the buyers are going, so what do you really want for this house? Yeah. Because I'm sick of this game. Yeah. And, and this kind of always happens every year because the, the, the strategies use so much in the spring that by summer we do get what I call buyer burnout. So we found ourselves pricing closer to the expected price. So if we're expecting a million dollars, maybe we even price it at 989. So that there's very little, like, so yeah, that yeah. the goal is you get maybe if you got two offers, someone might still pay 50 to 20 over asking and you still end up with your results you're after. Right. Um, I think what's happening. So what I'm noticing right now is that people are pricing their home more than maybe what the market will bear holding offers, or they're doing just what I said, they're pricing it right around that asking price and holding offers. So I got to tell you, this is a very confusing topic. I am going to talk specifically about Central North York, Central Toronto, because that's the market I watch most, most often. Um, and I would tell you that we went through a very short period of time where if you're going to hold offers, you shouldn't maybe price it as low as you thought you would because the buyers are really going to sit in that process. Okay. However, I'm now at the point where I'm seeing what's going on, not just with our listings, more, more so with other people's listings, and I'm seeing that if you're going to ask a high price, you do and you pick an offer date at the same time, you're sending two messages. You, you've priced your home high and you're telling people you're not taking offers to a certain date. The buyers read that as you want a bit more. The buyers read that as you want more than asking. And the buyers decide, I'm not prepared to make a blind bid on that home that I think is maybe even priced high. Or maybe it's priced fair, but I'm not paying over that price. Because they have the comparables as well. They do. And so their agents are even saying, well, you know, let's see what happens on If it's not so, we'll go in the next day. I hear it all the time. So really, we've got to be listening. What we're hearing is the buyer saying, no, that is not the right price to get me to go in a bit. So 
But watching it on, on bidding, bidding night, isn't, isn't there a small chance you risk losing that property? If you don't put in oh, property? absolutely. So where buyers are saying that is they're saying, listen, if someone wants to go into a bidding or pay a ton open asking, let them have it. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, so look, and I'm a big believer in if there's a price that you're willing to pay for a house, you try it because you, you uh, what is it? You miss 100% of the shots you don't, you don't take. take. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't cost anything to make an offer based on what you feel it's worth, and chances are one day you will have your offer like that if you are in tune with what the Toronto real estate market is doing. But um, what I've found now is that I'm kind of sitting here on the fence going, okay, you know what? If people want to, if, if our sellers want to do the hold offer thing, I need to explain to them they need to price low. And I mean really low. So I was in a situation recently, uh, family selling their home, and they were all about, we want the party, we want 10 offers, we want, we just want it to be crazy. Like, we just, we just want the craziness. Now their home is probably worth about one nine to two million dollars, to be honest with you. And I said, okay, so if you want to be really crazy, price this thing under one five. You will get the eight to twelve to fifteen offers. Mm. They couldn't stomach it, and I get it. They couldn't stomach it, so they priced it right in that one nine price range. Held offers, and what happened on offer night is we just got the one offer. Wow. Right. So. Then we're sitting there going, well, we have no leverage. So if you're looking for to try and get more than you're asking, it's all about leverage. So you must go lower to get more offers. And people say, well, or if I price my home at like one four nine nine, aren't I going to get a bunch of low offers? Now listen up, buyers too, because this is a great message. <laughs> all I want are a lot of offers. I'm not worried about five of them coming in really low. They become leverage. They show as registered offers. Registered offers, and we present them to the seller, and they're all legit. This is not faking offers yeah. or anything. This is legit. But some people will come in low. Some people will come in medium, and the goal is we find one guy who says, or two guys that say, I really want the property, and I'm prepared to pay top dollar. And I don't know what those other 10 offers are, so I have to put my best foot forward. Right? That is that is critical because you do not know as a buyer what the other buyers have presented. Right. So you don't. So in a multiple offer, the name of the game is numbers. You need lots of offers to create the leverage to do what you want that process to do. Why I said listen up buyers is that if you are making an offer on a house, and I trust that you have an agent who's going to be completely honest with you. Your agent says to you, listen, I know you want to make an offer of 550 on this house. The last four sales have been 180. Let's not waste our time and let's not become leverage mm -hmm. to the other offers unless you're willing to go in somewhere around that market value where you might get it. Uh, let's not even participate um, because I'm telling you, I mean, from the seller side, should participate and become leverage when we represent our buyers we're saying let's protect you let's protect you from going through this process and wasting your time and more more than that emotionally dragging you through this no because a lot of buyers will see their furniture in that house and see the dog in the backyard and the kids in the trees playing and absolutely and they get attached very easily yeah so I don't think there's ever been a time where we've told our buyer, no, we will not take an offer in for you if they're adamant about going in, but we, are, we work really hard to make sure that you understand as a buyer whether you're even in the game or not.
because really, I don't want to drag a buyer through five, six, seven multiple offer presentations, and, and as well, maybe even have them do pre-offer home inspections, which is going to cost them a few hundred bucks each time. Yep. Right? So, so as a buyer's agent, we're going to protect you. As a listing agent, I just want as many offers there as I can get, and let me, let me work that night to see possible. And things are getting crazy now too where people are going in with no conditions because they really want the place. Oh, let's wrap up with that one because that is a really interesting topic. Let's take a short break. You're listening to realestatesrawradio.com. realestatetoronto.com and we're going to do the wrap and I think I touched a nerve. What was it again? See, two minutes go by and I'm like, squirrel. <laughs> Something shiny. Um, where buyers are going in with no conditions oh. because they want the house so badly yeah. that they're willing to forego common sense things like a home inspection. Yes. So, look, for our buyers that have full intention of tearing the home down in a year or two, um, maybe I understand. Yeah. I understand. Um, and oftentimes those people are very um, comfortable with construction so they can do a walk through the house and gather most of their information themselves. If your plan is to live in a home, I am still a big believer in home inspections. Um, oftentimes our sellers are doing what we call pre-listing home inspections and they're sharing that with the buyer. And if, and if the seller's offering you one, you, you, the most you might wanna do is double check that that home inspection company is legit. Go check the reviews go through that report with your realtor and really go through it. I've, I've been in situations where that report, I've, I've handed it to people, they've made the offer, and then they've never really read it. Hmm. And, and so the inspection report handed by the seller is not showing you a list of all the things they're going to repair. They're actually disclosing to you all the things that, uh, the good and the bad of the house, and they're saying you're accepting it based on this report. So it's an as-is. It's as-is based on that report. So. Um, unless, other, of course, other things are put in your offer that actually ask the seller to fix right. things and things. So, um, so I'd say read it thoroughly, have one done. If you are going in a multiple offer, you might have to get that inspection done before you go into that offer situation so that your offer is stronger. Um, and that's, that's the other reason why I know that it is probably going to sell in the range that you can pay or you're willing to pay. Otherwise, why even go through the home inspection process? Yeah. Did, now, I just want to follow up before we close. Did you say that a, a buyer can get a home inspection before their offer? Absolutely. Yeah. And I look at unless the seller, for whatever reason, has said to their agent, do not let any inspections in this house, um, that's very rare. Most of the time, the seller will absolutely allow it because they want that clean offer to come in. Nice. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. And I just want to touch on, I know we're going to go all over the place here, but we were talking about that whole pricing for a multiple offer. Mm -hmm. I just want to touch on there that there is nothing wrong with old school pricing your home with maybe even one or 2% room to negotiate and not hold offers. So you mean list it and it's for sale. Remember old school? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm expecting Put a million, a sign up and I'm going to list house. it at a million thirty-nine. I, you know, I might be on the market a week or two. Someone's going to make me an offer maybe of nine eighty-five. We're going to go back and forth a few times, have coffee at the end of it, shake hands. You know, and I get a million and one dollar. 
Yeah. I'm happy because I go. made over my asking. There you go. Or not ask. No, you didn't make over your asking, but you made what you had intended. Right. To sorry. Get. So I think, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel like we might be going back to that traditional pricing because we are seeing the pushback on that bidding war. So we'll see. We'll see what the mature says. What goes around comes around. Okay. Okay. Comes around, goes around. <laughs> Something like that. We're going. Stay tuned. You will catch us right back here next week on realestatetorontoradio.com. And do check the podcast. If you've missed anything that we have said, by all means, we have a rewind button there. See you next week.